You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Let's pray before we dive in. Father, uh, thank you for your word. Uh, I just want to start just by just admitting my own, uh, my own weakness and shortcomings as I come to your word and step into the pulpit to preach. <clears throat> Knowing, Father, that I'm just, uh, I'm just a man with sinful thoughts and sinful desires. And, uh, Father, just we need you. I need you. We need you. We need you to speak to us through your word. We need you to renew us and to transform us and to change us. Help us to trust you as we open your word and as we look out. Help us to trust you in what you say in your word. Help us to trust that you will act on our behalf. Uh, I just ask, Father, that you would open the eyes of our hearts and our understandings. Um, but pray, God, that you would root our hearts deep within the love of your son, Jesus, at the cross. I pray, Father, that you would remove things deep down inside of our hearts. It's like cluttering up that space. Pray, Father, that your spirit would just come and just dwell in and among us in these moments and in our hearts. That you would renew our hearts, that you would change and transform our hearts. I would just thank you for your word. We know that your word is powerful. We know that your word does work that far exceeds our expectations and our abilities. So we just ask that you would come and speak to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. So we're going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 3 today. We'll be in verse 17 again, uh, which will shock some of you and won't shock others of you. But before we head there, though, I want to start off with this question that should be on the screen in front of you. Uh, here's the question. Where is Jesus right now? And what is he saying to you? I want you to think about that. Where is Jesus right now and what is he saying to you? For me, a few years back, I was sitting in a 10 by 10 room. Uh, I was on a cream colored chair. I had a green pillow in my arms. Um, It wasn't a teddy bear, it was a pillow. Um, I was sitting across from this this small, short, middle-aged woman. She was sitting in a rocking chair, and uh, she had asked me that question after I had spent some time explaining some of the events of my childhood and uh, some of the events of the last few years leading up to that meeting, and she'd asked me that question. She was my counselor for a year. Saw her a couple times a month at first and then started backing off to once a month or so. Her name was Julie. Um, Her name is Julie, not was, because she's not past tense. She still does exist. Uh, Her name is Julie. Um, I had sought her out after three years of uh, planting the well. Um, Honestly, my heart, my life, I think, my heart, my soul uh, was just a living wreck. It was an absolute wreck. Um, It was a mess. Here's what led to that. I visited my doctor, my physician. I think you call him a general physician, I think is what they're called. Um, His name is Dr. Nitzel. He's a good dude. Um, and he's not Italian. I just made him sound Italian. But uh, um, I had visited him one day because uh, I, I thought that I was uh, becoming physically sick. I lost my appetite. Uh, I couldn't sleep. Uh, I'd lost a ton of sleep. At best, I was getting two to three hours of sleep a night. This had been going on for quite a while. Um, my anxiety levels were through the roof. Like, any of you struggle with anxiety, you know what that's like. It's like the inner child inside running around and won't stop, right? 
My anxiety was so high, I could not settle down. I was probably working 60 to 70 hours a week, and that's probably, um, that's probably me trying to cover out how, how much I actually was working. Um, it probably was more than that. Um, uh, things that I used to do, I didn't want to do anymore. Uh, didn't feel like I had the energy to preach another sermon. That's where I was. And when I went and saw Dr. Nitzel, and uh, he asked me a bunch of questions, had me work through this sheet that had a bunch of questions on it, kind of an assessment analysis of uh, where I was. And uh, he came back in, he looked at me, he goes, well, I have good news for you, and I have bad news. Uh, he said, the good news is that besides being a few pounds overweight, because round for me is shape, round for me is in shape. <laughs> okay, all right, there, I got it straight. Um, besides that, besides being like a few pounds uh, overweight, you're probably physically healthy for the most part, is what he said. Um, the bad news, though, is that you are emotionally and probably spiritually just unhealthy and just sick in some regards. Um, and he goes, he goes, your family needs you to be healthy, and your church needs you to be healthy, and can I pray for you? And that, for me, really rocked my socks. Not often for me as a pastor where somebody says, can I just pray for you? Um, and there's been many of you that do that. But I think that moment, and I, I really I broke down crying, right? Uh, he prayed for me. We got done praying, and he says, here's what you need to do. Number one, go see a good counselor. Uh, he says, number two, change your diet. Get on an exercise program. Stop answering your phone every time it rains. Work fewer hours. Um, start taking some sleeping pills so you get some rest. And so that day in the doctor's office is what led to a ton of change in my life over the next couple of years, and it led to that day where I was sitting in my counselor's office, and she asked me, that question, where is Jesus and what is he saying to you right now? Question she asked. And she actually had me sit in a chair, right? She set up two chairs. She had me sit in one and she, she had me think about that question as she asked me. Uh, and then she prayed. Um, she prayed that the Spirit of God would reveal to me where Jesus was when all these things in my life had been going on. And then she asked him to speak to me and tell me what Jesus would actually say to me, right? And then after she prays, she says, now get up out of that chair before you answer the question and go sit in the other chair. And what I want you to do is I want you to answer the question like you are Jesus and now talk to invisible you. Now, if you can comprehend the thought of that, um, I didn't see this coming. She didn't warn me. I didn't know I was gonna go into this role-playing mode. But as I begin to just conceive this idea that I was going to begin to speak for Jesus back to myself, I broke. I broke and just wept like a baby. I mean, the words that were, were deep inside of me were, I'm here. I've, I've always been here. I'm with you and I love you. But those words were so hard for me to hear. I could preach them. I could tell you that, Right? But to hear them personally for myself was really, really difficult. A lot of years of baggage um, led into that moment. What drove my counselor to ask that question that day? What drove her to have me walk through this role-playing thing? Um, what, what drove her to pray that the Spirit of God would reveal Christ to me Underneath all of that for her was this real deep desire to see me experience the love of Christ in a truly life-changing and life-giving way. That's 
what was taking place. That was her desire under all of that. It's the same desire that I think is in Paul in chapter 3 when he's praying this prayer. I believe that's the desire that drives the Apostle Paul to pray the the way that he does in this passage. Look at it, Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that you, all that we may ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So as we've uh, studied these verses over the last few weeks, we've learned some things, right? We've learned that our posture in prayer is rooted in the reasons that we pray as well as the person we pray to, verses 14 and 15. Uh, We learned that our power comes from the riches of God's glory. Power is granted to us by God. It's not something that he just loans us, right? It's a grant, it's a gift. He doesn't take it back. There's no interest on it. Power from God, grant to us, comes to us through God's Spirit. It's God's Spirit that pipes that in, and you could actually say pipes that out because the Spirit of God lives inside of us, dwells inside of us, and the power of God comes out of us from the Spirit of God and becomes fruit of the Spirit, right? See that manifested in us. And then last week as we began looking at verse 17 uh, again, uh, uh, we learned that we need to pray that uh, Christ would settle down in our hearts. We, We talked about the intersection of the heart, as we ask that question, I ask Jesus into my heart, what does that really mean, right? What does that really mean? Because it sounds kind of fluffy. We don't like fluffy. Uh, ask Jesus in your heart, ask him to settle down your heart, to dwell there. It is like that three-lane highway or the intersection, the intersection of our mind and our desires and our actions. You could say your mind, your will, um, and, uh, and, and your behavior, right? Your affections. Sorry, get that straight. Thinking, affections, behavior. And so what we need to do is we need to pray that way that, that Jesus would settle down into those three areas of our life. We're asking him to come and settle down in our hearts. Um, we need to ask him to deepen our faith in him, which is to ask him to deepen our belief and our trust, because that's what faith means, is to believe and to trust. Remember the story of the guy with the wheelbarrow walking across, and after... Before that, though, he walks across blindfolded and walks across with a camp stove, cooks himself a meal, and then walks across on stilts. He's on a tightrope high above Niagara Falls. That's what he's doing, right? And he gets the wheelbarrow, walks across, puts somebody in it, walks across again, comes to your side. And he's like, you believe I can do that? Yeah, I believe you can do that. Good, get in it and trust me. I don't think so. I'm out of here, right? So that's, that's the concept. We need to ask Jesus, come dwell inside of us, settle down inside of us, help us to trust him and to believe in him. So those are the things we learned over the last few weeks. Um, Paul is literally praying passionately this way. He's praying these things for us, but why? 
Why is Paul praying this way for the Ephesians? What's driving him? Why is his pastoral heart so evident and on display for these people as he prays? We noted last week, as we looked at this, uh, that this prayer from the Apostle Paul is much like climbing a mountain, right? You can either get climbed up that mountain in relationship with Jesus, or you can just kind of spend some time wandering around down at the bottom, which is what a lot of us do, because climbing a mountain is hard. Don't know when the journey's going to end. Truthfully, the journey won't end until we're in heaven, and I, I would even argue that even in heaven, the relationship continues. I'm just not quite sure what that's going to look like, because I haven't been there yet, so. Um, but it's a journey up a mountain. It's hard. Lots of mountains in our lives we don't want to climb because they're too painful, too hard, too difficult, so we tap out, we run in circles at the bottom, and we whine, and we pout, and we cry because we're lost, right? Um, the challenge here that the Apostle Paul is praying for is that we would be empowered by the Spirit to do this. We'd be empowered by the Spirit to take that journey. And so this week, as we continue to examine verse 17, uh, we're going to see two pictures of what is driving Paul in prayer, two new pictures. We thought about the mountain last week. Um, there's two new pictures that Paul introduces in verse 17 as we hone in. It says he's praying that the Spirit would drive us or give us power so that, if you're looking at verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and the height and the depth and the love of Christ surpasses knowledge. So you'll see on the next screen, uh, there's a picture. And it's this picture of a tree being rooted, right? I'm just going to deal with that picture today. He, he, what Paul does is he props up two pictures. It's the picture of being rooted like a tree or grounded like a big, tall skyscraper. We don't have time for me to deal with both, okay? I realize Paul does it in three words. You don't have time for me to do both. Um, and you think I'm bad. I've told you guys every week. Go read Martin Lloyd-Jones. He spends five weeks in verse 17, okay? I'm, I'm going to try to do it in three. We'll try, see what we can do. Rooted like a tree in the love of Christ. That's the picture that Paul paints here. Well, think about a tree for a minute. Like, what does it look like? Ask this question to yourself. What does it look like for me to be rooted in the love of Christ? You think about a tree working from the top to the bottom of the picture that you see on the screen. You have branches, right? Branches with leaves and fruit telling you what kind of tree it is. The trunk, if you're looking at the trunk, it's going to tell you what kind of character that tree has. If you think about the roots down underneath the surface, those roots growing deep into that soil are going to tell you or describe to you what kind of nutrients or health that tree is getting, right? So imagine that your life is that tree. And ask yourself these three questions for a second. What kind of fruit do you see in the branches of your life? What kind of character do you see in the trunk of your life? And what kind of soil are the roots of your life growing in? I want to take those questions one at a time. And as we take those questions one at a time, we're going to do something that you don't typically see us do, and we're going to spend a ton of time elsewhere in Scripture. Okay? You'll see the references on your, on your sheet, and uh, you pray for me as I pray for you as I preach that we get through this in less than an hour, okay? So question number one, uh, what kind of fruit do you see in the branches of your life? Like when I was a kid, um, living in my mom's house, we had a, a mulberry tree uh, on our farm. We had a bunch of them, actually. Love mulberries. 
Um, and sometimes uh, those mulberries would be ripe, s- soft, tasty, right? Uh, they provided a pretty nice snack in the middle of the day. Uh, sometimes those mulberries were green, unripened, bitter. Uh, they give you a stomach ache, okay? There's other times those mulberries were rotten, come across the rotten, mushy and moldy, just gross. Make you terribly sick if you ate them, right? Sometimes the fruit of our lives is similar. Our lives, just like trees, produce fruit. Sometimes the fruit is good. Sometimes the fruit is bitter. Sometimes the fruit is rotten. And here's the thing. When Christ isn't dwelling, and let me just stop for a minute. When Paul uses this word dwell, he's not saying Christ is not living in you because he's praying for Christians. So we know that Christ lives inside of these Christians that he's praying for. But that word dwell means to not be settled, right? Talked about this last week, the heart, your heart is cluttered, full. So if Christ isn't dwelling or settled down in your heart, then your life will not be rooted in the love of Christ, and then the fruit of your life will be bitter and rotten. What do I mean when I say that, though? What does that look like? What does it look like for me to bear fruit that is not growing out of the love of Christ, right? This question I think we should naturally ask. Well, Ephesians 4, 17 through 19, these are not on the screen. You can try to follow along in your Bibles, or uh, you'll notice that they're on your sheets, too. Ephesians 4, 17 through 19, 5, 3 through 18, 5, 3 through 18 as well. I've taken these passages, I've just paraphrased them kind of for myself. Um, these passages paint a great picture for us. If my life is not rooted in the love of Christ, right? And if Christ is not dwelling inside my heart through faith, what will I look like? I will walk in foolishness, according to these passages. I will walk in foolishness. I will be darkened in my understanding or alienated from the life of God because of my ignorance and my hardness of heart. I will become, listen to this, callous to the gospel, Hard-hearted to the gospel, right? No longer wanting to hear the message of the gospel. I'll give myself up to sensuality. I'll give myself up to greed or impure behavior. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking, deception, disobedience, drunkenness. Those will be the things that will be part of my normal everyday life. If my heart is not rooted in the love of Christ dwelling deep within me. Colossians 3, 5 through 9, paints a good picture too. If my life is not rooted in the love of Christ, if Christ is not dwelling in my heart through faith, then I will not put to death sinful behavior. I will not put to death earthly desires. I will not actively seek to kill that which is killing me. I will not chase the fruit down to the root I will not murder it. I will not viciously put to death sexual immorality, impurity, sexual passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, Paul says. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, dishonesty. If Christ does not dwell deep down inside of my heart, then my life will not be rooted in the love of Christ, right? And if my heart is not rooted in the love of Christ, then my heart, my life, will be characterized by all of the bitter and rotten fruit that I've just described. But, coming from some of these same passages, if my life is rooted in the love of Christ, if my life is rooted in the love of Christ, if Christ is dwelling in my heart through faith, believing and trusting 
in Christ, then there will be godly fruit in my life. If I am in Christ, if Christ is dwelling in me, then I am chosen by God, according to Ephesians, right? According to Colossians 2. I am made holy by God. I am beloved by God. I'm his beloved child. This is my identity. This is who I am. Therefore, if that is who I am, then my life will be clothed with new clothing. Like when you come and follow Jesus, take off your old dirty clothes, you step in the shower, you get sanctified, and then you continue getting sanctified, becoming more holy, more like Christ as you walk. And then the fruit of your life looks like new clothing, clothed in the fruit of compassionate hearts. Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If I have a complaint against a brother or sister, according to Colossians 3, I will forgive them as the Lord has forgiven me. And above all that, I will put on love, according to Paul in Colossians. I will put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The peace of God will rule in my heart and I will be thankful in every situation. Whatever I do, whatever I do in word or in deed, I will do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who saved me and has forgiven me. This is the fruit that adorns the branches or grows in the branches of a Christian. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. If my life is rooted in the love of Christ, if Christ is dwelling, settled down inside my heart through faith, According to Ephesians 4, 22-32, my life will exhibit the love of Christ, right? I will put off my old self, like taking off the old clothes and putting on the new ones. I'll be renewed in the spirit of my mind. I will become more and more like Jesus. I will become more and more righteous and holy in my day-to-day life. I will speak the truth in love. I will not be controlled by anger. I'll work hard to be honest. I will become a generous person who is ready to share with others in need. I will speak words that build others up instead of tearing them down. I will speak words that fit the occasion so I may give grace to people who hear me speak. I will give the Spirit of God full access to my life. I'll stop hiding from Him. I'll be kind to others. I'll be tenderhearted in my care for others. I'll be forgiving towards those who hurt me. It's Ephesians 4, 22 through 32. How about Ephesians 5, 1 through 21? My life is rooted in the love of Christ. Christ is dwelling in my heart through faith. I will imitate God in everything I do. I'll walk in love as Christ has loved me. I'll walk as a child of light for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. I will discern, I will work hard to discern what is actually pleasing to the Lord. I won't just say, Matt pleases me, so I'm on it. I'll begin to say, does this please the Lord? Will this bring pleasure to God if I behave, think, or act this way? That's the fruit that Paul speaks of that should be growing in the life of a person whose heart is rooted, whose life is rooted in the love of Christ. Walk in wisdom, understanding the will of God, seeking to understand the will of God. God, show me what you want me to do. I will not move unless you speak to me, God. Speak and sing the word of God to others. Can you imagine? You, know, you imagine like 
Next time Brandon comes and sees me, Brandon shows up at the door and opens the door and he starts singing songs to me. I, we probably don't want him to do that, but this concept of singing songs, singing the gospel to one another, it does seem funny. It, is, it, it does kind of come across as a funny joke, but what if, what if even just that was, was part of what characterized my life as a believer that I would be so quick to sing a song of joy or the song of the gospel over someone rather than the cursing that I'm tempted to do at times. Okay? Yes, I just admitted that. <laughs> what if my life was full of thankfulness to God? What if my life was characterized by my ability to submit to others out of respect and reverence for Christ who dwells within me? Even, even, what if I were even willing to submit to people that I think, listen, are less than me? What if I was willing to submit to people that I thought were less immature, more immature than me, like my daughter Charity, okay? What if when she comes up to me and corrects me for my anger or my sharp words, what if I was willing to submit to her and say, you know what, sweetheart, you're right, and I, I need to get that together? What if that began to characterize my life? Wouldn't that look like good and godly fruit? I think of the submission of Christ at the cross for our sin. It'd be important to uh, point out one final um, passage here on this first question, because um, I think I'd probably be pretty unfaithful if I didn't. Some of you are probably already thinking it. Galatians 5, 19-21. Um, teaches me that if my life is not rooted in the love of Christ, dwelling within me, that my life will be characterized by works of the flesh. Scary phrase, works of the flesh, which are obvious, Paul says. None of us got an excuse. This is an obvious matter. There's no gray area here. It's obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, which is witchcraft, enmity, which is, I don't know, close to like anger and being enemies with someone. <laughs> well, that's a hard one for me because I see life as war. <laughs> well, I, I probably would have been great on a battlefield maybe. I don't know. Um, I see life as war. It's all coming against me, and I am fighting to just live. It's just part of my makeup. So the enmity one is hard for me. Um, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Back to jealousy. I was in a, another church this last week, and uh, their facility was fantastic. I really like to have that facility. <laughs> they say I struggle with jealousy, right? Uh, great Assemblies of God church at rock walls, climbing things on the walls. Man, like our adults would like to climb those things. Found myself in a moment being jealous. My, my uncle was there and he came up and he goes, isn't it good to dream? And I'm like, how did you read my thoughts? Like, I gave you the spirit of discernment. I don't know. Probably saw the look on my face. Jealousy, man, I struggle with that. Fits of anger, I struggle with that too. Um, that's why uh, the Hulk is my favorite superhero of all time. I tell you guys this all the time. Like, how do you turn that on and turn it off, Hulk? How do, how do you do that? I'm always angry. That's me. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the junk drawer for any other sin I can create. Paul basically says anything like these. If this is the fruit of my life, um, then I am not a part of the kingdom of God. That's a scary statement. 
if that is the continuing, ongoing, growing fruit in my life, I'm not a part of the kingdom of God. Christ is not dwelling in me. My life is not rooted in the love of Christ. But, according to the rest of the verse, verses 22 to 26, if my life is rooted in the love of Christ, if Christ is dwelling within me, then my life will be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he goes on. We usually stop there because we like to list the fruit. Listen to the rest of what Paul says, right? I will crucify my sinful desires, my sinful behaviors to what? To the cross of Christ, where he died in love to put my sin to death. I will live and walk under the control of the Holy Spirit. I will not be conceited. I will not provoke others to hurt or anger. I will not be envious of others. This is the fruit of someone whose life is rooted in the love of Christ. This is the fruit of someone who... Christ is dwelling in. This is the fruit of someone who is a part of the kingdom of God. So what kind of fruit do you see in the tree of your life? Is it bitter, rotten, godly, healthy, fruit-rooted in the love of Christ? If your life is rooted in the love of Christ, then your life will produce fruit that is in keeping with the love of Christ. Right? Question number two. What kind of character do you see in the trunk of your life? And character has to do with maturity, strength. Small saplings are young and weak. Large trees are typically mature and strong. Growing up on my mom's farm, there was a stand of trees along the east side of the house. Um, when a storm would roll through, all those young saplings would bend over. Oftentimes, they'd break because they were weak. They had weak character. And the mature trees would stand firm, and they would barely move uh, because they were strong. According to Ephesians 4.14, Colossians 2.8, if I am a young sapling with weak character, I will be like a child who is immature. I'll be like a boat that is tossed back and forth by every strong wind and wave of false teaching. I will be controlled by deceitful or honest schemes. I will be taken captive by human philosophy and empty dishonesty. I will be trapped in human tradition. I will live my life according to childish and worldly fantasies. I will ignore the instructions and commands of Christ. That's what it looks like to have weak character in the trunk of my life, right? If I'm a mature tree with strong character, I'll be trained in the words of faith and good doctrine. 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 7, 12, and 16. I'll have nothing to do with useless and silly myths. Instead, I'll train myself for godliness. I will be an example in godly speech, in, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. I will be de devoted to the scriptures. This is the kind of character I will have. This is the kind of example I will set. I will, I will practice these things and immerse myself in these things like being immersed in water, right? I'll be soaked in it so that everyone would see my progress. I'll keep a close watch on myself. If I'm a mature tree with strong character, according to Psalm 1, I will be blessed. I will not listen to the counsel of the wicked. I won't be counted among the sinners. I will not be a scoffer. I will delight in the law of the Lord. Think about the delight in the law of the Lord. Have joy in the law. Nobody likes laws. We want to break the law. Speed limit says 25, I want to go 35, right? God, I cannot believe I have to go 25. I'm not going to get there in time, right? I want to break the law. David says, 
I delight in the law of the Lord. I will meditate on God's word daily. I will be like a tree that is planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And my leaf will not wither up and die. In everything I do, I will prosper. How about Psalm 119? Verse 9 through 16. According to that psalm, if I'm a mature tree with strong character, I will live a life of purity. I will guard my heart by filling it with the word of God. I will seek God with my entire being. I will not wander from the safety of God's commands. I will treasure God's word and store it in my heart. I will protect myself from sin. I will bless God and ask him to teach me his laws. I will declare God's rules because I delight in them. Find joy in God's commands. I will meditate on them daily. I will fix the eyes of my heart on them. I will be overjoyed to read and to learn God's word. I will not forget it. Put it to memory. This is the character of a man or a woman who is like a mature and strong tree who is rooted in the love of Christ. One more passage in this section. Romans 12, 9-21. According to this passage, if I am a mature tree with strong character, my love will be genuine. I will abhor evil. Think about that word. Abhor evil. I will hold fast to that which is good. I will love others with brotherly affection. I will seek to outdo others in showing honor to each other. Think about that. What if we sought to outdo each other in showing honor rather than seeking to outdo each other by one-upping each other, right? What if? What if? I will not be lazy in serving the Lord energetically. I will rejoice with hope. I will be patient in suffering. Oh, that's hard. I'll be constant in my prayers. I will contribute to the needs of the body of Christ and the church. I will be hospitable, welcome guests into my circles of friendship. I will bless my enemies instead of cursing them. Ah. I will rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. I will live in harmony with others. I will not be proud and arrogant, but I will hang out with the outcasts. I will not think that I am very wise. I will not seek vengeance against others, but instead I will seek to do good to everyone, especially my enemies. I will do everything in my power to live at peace with everyone. I will trust God to act justly. I will feed and clothe my enemies. I can't think of the last time I did that. Feed and clothe my enemies. I will not be overcome by evil but I will overcome evil by doing good. I will do all of this, why? Because the mercy of God, this is where Paul starts in Romans, the mercy of God has been extended towards me in the love of Christ, which then dwells inside my heart through faith. So what kind of character do you see in the trunk of your tree, of your life? Is the character of your life young and weak or mature and strong? Is your character rooted in the love of Christ? Because if it is, if it is, then your, then your life will be like a strong tree with unbreakable and immovable character. Now, question number three, final question. What kind of soil are the roots of your life growing in? What kind of soil are the roots of your life growing in? Because the soil is really important. The soil is really important because the soil is what helps roots grow. And when the soil of, of your heart, we're going to say that the heart is where the, the soil is, right? <clears throat> when the soil is lacking nutrients, then what happens to the roots? They shrivel up. They produce weak trees, little to no fruit, bitter or rotten fruit. 
When the soil is rich with nutrients, the roots then are bursting with health. And they produce strong, mature trees with good, healthy fruit. What I'm convinced of is that the soil of our hearts must be filled with the love of Christ, according to this passage. This is why Paul is praying. Ephesians 3.17. The Spirit of God would strengthen us so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, and that our hearts would be rooted in the love of Christ, right? And what does that look like? When the soil of your life, according to Romans 8, 37 through 39, one of my favorite passages of all times, when your heart is filled with the love of Christ, then you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. And you can rest assured, you can live with assurance, certainty, that the steadfast love of Christ will never fail. Neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, including you, not even you, can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord. When the soil of your life is filled to the brim with the love of Christ, according to Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, and 3, 19, you will rest assured that God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved you, even when you were dead in your sin, you were dead. Dead people don't get out of graves. Only alive people do. When you were dead, God made you alive. He made you alive together with Christ who left the tomb empty so that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you would be filled with the presence of the love of God. Right? So if your life is nurtured by the love of Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17, one of my other favorite passages, you will be controlled and compelled. Uh, the picture there of that word in Corinthians is, is compelled from the inside and controlled from the outside. It's both. It's just such an interesting picture. Think about it. Spirit of God in you, the Spirit of God around you, compelling, motivating, pushing, leading, moving, and it's the love of Christ that does that work. Because you know that Christ died for you. And since Christ died for you, you are dead to sin. You are alive now. You no longer live for yourself like you used to. You now live for Christ because he's alive and you are alive with him. Christ rose from the dead in victory over Satan's sin in the grave. Therefore, you no longer live there. You live in the presence of Christ, motivated by the love of Christ. You no longer relate to other people according to your sinful desires. That's a hard one. No longer relate to them based on your sinful desires. Why? You're not in the flesh anymore, right? Even though you once regarded Christ as your enemy, you don't anymore because you're a new person. Therefore, you don't regard others that way either. You regard them as a person who's alive, a Christian who is motivated and compelled by the love of Christ deep within their hearts, and that's where the roots of your life are growing in. There's <coughs> new soil in your heart. Old soil has been replaced. Your old heart of stone's been taken away. You've been given a brand new heart of flesh. It's full of the love of Christ. You're now able to live freely. If you trust in Christ, then you are rooted in the love of Christ. The question is, what kind of soil 
Are the roots of your life growing in? Is your life rooted in the soil of the love of Christ? And if it is, <coughs> and the soil of your life will strengthen and nurture the roots of your life. Strong, mature character will produce healthy and godly fruit in you. <coughs> so, in conclusion, <clears throat> back to the question I asked when we started. Where is Jesus right now? And what is he saying to you? Right? Is he alive deep down inside of your heart? Is the love of Christ just speaking to you? Like, I don't know what storms are rolling through your life. I don't know what's happening in your life when you walked in here this morning. But I do know the storms that I was facing that day <coughs> when my counselor asked me that question. I remember describing what it was like to look back at my childhood and to look back at the previous couple of years of planting a church. I remember describing it as though I was looking back at a battlefield and there were mushroom clouds lingering in the sky from all the atom bombs that went off. I think that's the right term. What it looked like to me looking back. And those mushroom clouds weren't going away and I was scared. I was a mess. And whether you're looking back at mushroom clouds or whether you feel like you're standing right in the middle of them right now, the only way that you're going to come out the other side of this battle that we call life in one piece is if you are rooted in love of Christ. So what kind of fruit do you see in your life? What kind of character do you see in your life? What kind of soil are the roots of your life growing in? Is your life rooted in the love of Christ? Because that's the prayer that Paul is praying, and that's the prayer that I want to pray for us. My prayer is that the Spirit of God would strengthen us. My prayer, of God, my prayer to God is that Christ would dwell, live, settle deep within our hearts through faith, and that our hearts would be rooted in the love of Christ. We pray that way? Let's do that. Father, Father, I know that in 42 minutes, uh, I can't do justice to the depth of your word, power of your word. Thankfully, thankfully, you don't need me to do that because that's what your spirit is for. So God, I pray that you would come now as we close that you would continue doing surgery in our hearts. Pray, Father, that you would bind up the wounded. Pray, Father, that you would strengthen the weak. Pray, God, that you would grant repentance where there's sin running rampant. Help us to be rooted in the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.